0: WTBN, Pinellas Park, WTWD Plant City, WLCC Brandon.
1: Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa.
0: Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. <laughs>
1: Where have you been gifted? And usually we've been gifted in areas that we uh, enjoy doing, uh, areas that that other people enjoy our ministry, and and there are strengths in areas that you have. That's what you ought to concentrate on. So know where God has called you to minister and where he has equipped you and gifted you to minister, and then focus on doing those things and don't do everything. You can't do that and do it well.
2: Sometimes it seems to me that there are only two kinds of people in the church, those who say no too often and those who say yes too often. If you're like me, then we should both pay attention today. Hello, this is Peter Silseth. I'd like to welcome you to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve's 26-plus years of expository or verse-by-verse teaching have grown to include these daily Bible classes of the air. While he continues serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, we at Verse by Verse Ministries have the pleasure of making his messages available to you through this great radio station. In our last class, we began looking at the instructions for a short-term missions trip that Jesus gave to his disciples in Matthew chapter 10. One of the things he stressed was that they should remain focused on the task he gave them and not go to areas that he didn't assign to them. Good advice for us, too. Let's let Pastor Steve begin our lesson.
1: Now, who were the Samaritans? Some of you know, some of you are not familiar with the term Samaritans. There were a group of people that resulted from mixed marriages as well as mixed religious beliefs. These marriages were between Jews and Gentiles, and they established a, a new people that took some things from Judaism and some things from paganism, and they created a whole new religious system. They were despised by Jewish people, and they despised Jewish people. This all took place uh, after Israel's captivity during Old Testament times, but now they were a people group, and they had their own area in Israel. The Samaritans lived in an area sandwiched between Galilee in the north and Judea, towards the south. That, by the way, today is part of the well-known West Bank in Israel. When you hear on the news the West Bank, it is, it is New, in New Testament times, it is Samaria. And so Jesus made it very clear to the apostles that he wanted them to remain in the general vicinity of Galilee and to minister only to those Galilean Jews. Now, why? Why did he do this? Well, first of all, keep in mind, this command does not mean that Jesus was opposed to evangelizing Gentiles or Samaritans. Matthew has already told us of Christ's heart in ministry to Gentiles. Remember in chapter 8, we saw the Roman centurion's servant, this Gentile centurion, this soldier who had a servant, and Jesus ministered to him and healed the servant. So certainly he wasn't opposed to ministry to Gentiles. And when he he crossed over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, he went into Gentile territory. And there he cast out uh, a number of demons from these two men who very likely were Gentile men. Later in the Great Commission, at the end of Matthew, we read that Jesus ordered his disciples to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, meaning the Gentile nations. And concerning Samaritans, Jesus wasn't opposed to evangelizing Samaritans. We know from from John's Gospel in chapter 4 that the Lord went out of his way to have an evangelistic conversation with a Samaritan woman and that conversation resulted in her entire village coming to to know about Jesus. And in Christ's final words to his apostles before ascending to to heaven from off of the Mount of Olives. He specifically told them to, to be witnesses, notice this, in Judea. He said starting in Jerusalem and Judea and moving to Samaria. And then he said to the remotest part of the earth, but don't neglect Samaria. So our Lord is not opposed to ministry and evangelism to Gentiles and Samaritans. But the, these uh, instructions have to be seen as only temporary and for a brief short-term missions trip. But that still doesn't tell us why at this point Jesus said, don't go to the Gentiles and don't go to the Samaritans. Why the Jewish people? Well, I think there are a couple of reasons. First of all, there is a theological reason. The focus of Christ's earthly ministry was Israel. It was not the Gentiles. It was not Samaritans. He did minister to certain individuals who were Gentiles and Samaritans, but he came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. John tells us he came unto his own, meaning he came to the Jewish people. They were the chosen people that God had made a covenant with. In fact, several covenants with. And there were specific covenant promises that the Lord is bound to keep because His word is true and He's faithful. And therefore, they held a special place in God's plan. And they've always held a special place in God's plan. Therefore, it was only fitting that that Jesus send His men out into ministry to those people that He had been sent to minister to because they were an extension of His work. So that's the theological reason. But there is a second reason why Jesus sent his men only to Jewish people, only in Galilee, and that's a practical reason. The apostles were familiar with Jewish people in Galilee. They were, apart from Judas Iscariot, they were all Galilean Jews themselves. These were not veteran missionaries. These, as we've said, were were just new guys, new missionaries. This is internship. Jesus was sending them to the people that they were very familiar with, their own kind of people. They weren't comfortable, nor were they familiar with with the culture of the Gentiles, and certainly not the Samaritans. Jesus sent them to the people that they knew best. He's he's training them. They didn't know about Gentiles. They didn't know about Samaritans. In fact, they, they even resisted ministry to them. Remember, it wasn't until sometime after the day of Pentecost that these apostles even grasped that the gospel was for the Gentiles as well as the Jews. In Acts 15, they had to have a whole conference to figure this thing out. They didn't understand this. Remember how Peter resisted God in reaching out to the Gentiles in, in the ministry and his ministry to Cornelius, where the Lord said, Peter, you can eat everything. The days of kosher food are over. Go. I have a man I want you to speak to. And, and Peter didn't grasp it at first. In fact, it's not until the ministry of the Apostle Paul who was a Jewish man but raised in a Gentile city, very familiar with Gentile culture. God called him to be the apostles to the Gentiles. And it's only in the emergence of Paul's ministry that the church finally grasps that the gospel is the same for Gentiles as well as Jews. So understand that that when Jesus, from a practical standpoint, is sending out his apostles, he's sending them out to a people they're most familiar with. They know very little about Gentiles. They don't care about Gentiles. They don't have a love for Gentiles. And they certainly didn't have a love for Samaritans. So he's sending them to the people who they knew best. Now, what does this say to us about our own ministry? What principle is is here? Well, I think in principle, this tells us that there ought to be a focal point to your ministry. Whatever area God has called you in, focus on that. Just as Jesus told the disciples to focus only on the Jewish people, You and I need to understand where the focus of our ministry should be. See, all of us need to understand that you cannot, and and this is a lot more profound than it's going to sound, but you cannot minister to everyone and do everything. You just can't do it. You can't do it well. There needs to be a concentrated effort on ministering in an area and to a people that you can pour your best efforts into. Otherwise, you will accomplish very little. Peter in 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, he exhorts believers to use their unique spiritual gifts that God has given them in carrying out their unique ministries. What is a spiritual gift? Well, Peter speaks about it in 1 Peter 4. Paul speaks about it in Romans 12. Paul speaks about it in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability that you didn't have naturally to minister for him. You weren't born with this. The moment you were saved, God gave you a unique combination of gifts so that it's probably impossible to just isolate one gift. We all have a unique combination of gifts. These are these are special God-given abilities to equip us to minister effectively for Him. And Peter is telling us, and I'll just paraphrase what he says in 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, if you have a speaking gift, then use that for God's glory. Then use it. Concentrate. Focus on that. If you have a serving-type gift then use it for God's glory. Focus on that. And listen, if you have a teaching gift, don't try to do other things in service. Don't concentrate on, on other non-teaching and speaking service issues. If you have a, a serving gift, don't try to be a teacher. Concentrate on where you've been equipped. You see, there are some Christians, many Christians, in fact, who have a great heart to serve the Lord, but they spread themselves far too thin. They try to do too many things and they end up not doing anything particularly well. So find out where your gifts, interests, and strengths of ministry lie. And then do it, and do it well. Pour yourself into that ministry. Focus. Have an objective. Concentrate. Be single-minded. It was D.L. Moody who once remarked that the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, this one thing I do, not these many things I dabble in. I think there are a lot of Christians who dabble in a lot of things and don't do anything particularly well. Now, what this means is that we all need to learn to say no when asked to do certain things. It's not a sin to say no to something that you don't particularly do well well in. There have been times in my ministry where I've had uh, outside organizations ask me to do things that I've had to decline just because that's not where God has equipped me. I've decided with outside organizations to only minister in areas that I feel have a strong teaching ministry and that I can contribute to that ministry. That that I'm on the same page, that it's a teaching-focused ministry because that's where God has gifted me and where He's called me. And there are areas in the church where I just say, you know what? I, I, I can't do that. I can't do that or I'll spread myself too thin. And you've got to do the same thing. Where have you been gifted? And usually we've been gifted in areas that we uh, enjoy doing, uh, areas that that other people enjoy our ministry, and and there are strengths in areas that you have. That's what you ought to concentrate on. So know where God has called you to minister and where he has equipped you and gifted you to minister, and then focus on doing those things and don't do everything. You can't do that and do it well. So the first biblical principle about ministry is that ministry for Christ should be focused. And certainly this goes without saying, though I'm going to say it, you all should be a part of a ministry. It may not be an official program, but you ought to be ministering in Christ's name somewhere to someone. Focus on doing a good job and having a clear, clean objective.
2: There is a second biblical principle for ministry, and Pastor Steve will be right back to tell us about it. We would like to greet those of you who just found us on your radio. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff, the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We are in the middle of Pastor Steve's introductory message about the instructions that Jesus gave to his disciples when he sent them on their first short-term missions trip. If you missed the start of class, I'll tell you later how you can catch up on what you have missed. Let's get back to class now to hear about that second biblical principle for ministry.
1: The second biblical principle about ministry is that ministry for Christ should proclaim him as Lord and King. Notice verse 7. Jesus said, And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So after telling the apostles to whom they were to preach, to the Jewish people, now Jesus tells them what they were to preach. In other words, this is the content of your message. And he instructs them that as they travel around the various towns and villages of Galilee, the message that they were to give to those people is that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now you'll recall that was the same message that John the Baptist came giving, except He said, repent. That's implied here. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It means it's drawing near. It's the same message that Jesus started off His ministry with. And even continued. Now, obviously, let me let me explain this. Obviously, the apostles were to say more than simply those few words. That's, that's not what Jesus was intending. They were not just to go around shouting The kingdom of heaven is at hand and then go on to another place. No, they were to elaborate. They were to explain that the kingdom of heaven was drawing near by telling the people of Galilee that the king had arrived. He was Jesus of Nazareth and that they could be a part of his kingdom by repenting of their sins and then living by his teaching. The teaching specifically found in the Sermon on the Mount, which are the king's instructions on how to live as citizens of his kingdom. So that's what they were to explain. That's what they were to do. Now, even though at this point they didn't understand the full gospel, they didn't understand the the death of Christ, they didn't understand his, his burial coming up, His resurrection, all that, they were still, notice this, they were still to call the people to respond to Christ by surrendering to His reign as King and Lord over their lives. Folks, that never changes. That never changes. That's the, the heart of the message that we've been called to preach is basically no different than the message of the kingdom that Jesus told his apostles to preach. Even though we live on this side of the cross and we understand and we have to explain Christ's death for sinners, his burial, his resurrection, even though they didn't get that, the heart of the gospel is always to call sinners to repentance and faith in Christ. And that involves placing ourselves under his sovereign kingly rule. That is so important to to note. That is so important to understand because one of the key elements of the gospel that is often, often ignored in contemporary evangelism is this element of obedience to Christ as King and Lord of our lives. And our zeal to emphasize that He is the Savior to be trusted, trusted. We often neglect to emphasize that He is also the King to be obeyed. Often that's neglected. And yet, the message of the apostles always was that they were calling people to obedience. Long before the lordship debate became a debate, the apostle Paul explained to us about obedience. Romans chapter 1, verse 5. Paul writes to this church through whom, speaking of Christ, we have received grace and apostleship. Paul said, I received this grace, I became an apostle to bring about, watch this, to bring about the obedience of faith among all the nations for His namesake. Paul said, "I'm, I'm the apostle to the Gentiles and I'm calling Gentiles from all nations to obey Him. That's what I'm doing. Then let's look at the end of Romans. Romans chapter 16. The message doesn't change. Romans, or the objective, Romans 16. Verse 19, Paul says, For the report of your obedience has reached to us. Meaning the report of your salvation. He equates salvation with obedience. Now, you once were disobedient, now you obey. The same chapter, verses 25 and 26. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of, of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandments of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, watch this, leading to obedience of faith. When Paul thinks of the gospel, he thinks that he is leading people to obedience of the faith, which is exactly what we ought to do. So if we are going to to minister the gospel as Christ wants us to minister it, then we need to remember that, listen, we are not simply giving out gospel facts. When you witness to someone, I I hope it's not just a one, two, three, four, five point outline. It's not just gospel facts. Now, facts have to be a part of that, but it's not just that. We're calling people to submit to a person who is the king, who reigns over a kingdom of loyal followers. And I understand that in the future there will be a physical aspect to the kingdom, but there is another sense in which that spiritual kingdom has already come as Christ rules and reigns in the hearts of his people. Now, in sending out his apostles to preach the message of the king and his kingdom, it's important that people understand. The people of Galilee, they needed to know that these men really represented Christ as king. And so Jesus now moves on to give them another command that would clearly demonstrate that they were his ambassadors. And it's from this command we learn another biblical principle about ministry. So the first biblical principle about ministry is that ministry for Christ must be focused. You've got to concentrate on where God has called you. The second biblical principle about ministry is that ministry for Christ must proclaim Him as Lord and King. But now the third biblical principle about ministry is that ministry for Christ requires credibility. It requires credibility. Verse 8, the beginning of this, says, "Heal." Jesus said, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Now, in our brief examination, the last... Two weeks of the lives of the twelve apostles, we have discovered that they were rather common, ordinary men. We're just, just plain men, fishermen, craftsmen, nothing out of the ordinary. None of them were trained theologians, none of them had formal rabbinical schooling. So why would the Jewish people of Galilee listen to them? At least Jesus was, was noted as a rabbi. But why listen to these men? Why why would you listen to your to the local fishermen? Coming and the local craftsmen coming to tell you about about the king. The reason is because Jesus had sovereignly chosen these men to be his official representatives. And the way that they would prove that they were his spokesmen was by performing miraculous miracles, miraculous signs that pointed back to Christ. That's precisely why Jesus now is telling them to go heal the sick raise the dead, cast out demons. And that's precisely why in verse 1, it says that he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. You see, those types of miracles were the things that Jesus was doing as he was touring Galilee. So that when the apostles would do the same things, people would take note and say, Oh, oh, they're just like Jesus. Nobody else is doing this. And it would give them credibility by proving to the people that they were Christ's representatives. They spoke like Christ. They gave the same message as Christ. and Now they did the same miracles as Christ. In fact, years later, the Apostle Paul told the Corinthians that the the power to do these miracles were uniquely given only to the apostles. Many people don't understand that and they think they're supposed to be doing that today. And yet, in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, Paul specifically says this, and it makes no sense if your average ordinary Christian can do this. He said, the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. Paul, in defending his ministry, his apostolic ministry to the church at Corinth was saying the way you can know that I'm an apostle, that I can do something that, that others can't. God has given me the authority, the ability to perform signs and wonders and miracles. Now, if every Christian can do that, then that doesn't make any sense. So the question is, what about us? We are not apostles. We have not been given the authority to perform miracles as signs of authenticity. What is it that authenticates us as valid witnesses of Jesus Christ? What is it that gives us credibility as ministers for Christ? In other words, in light of all kinds of religious frauds and and false teachers who claim to represent Christ, how can people know today if we are the true representatives of Jesus Christ? With all these people out there saying that they're, they're really the church of Jesus Christ, they're his ministers, they represent him, send me a lot of money and I'll tell you more, that type of thing. How do you know? How can anybody know? The answer is very simple. A godly life that reflects the character of Jesus Christ. That's what will convince people. That's what will show them. Godly behavior that reflects Christ's character is the only way that the world can objectively evaluate if we are Christ's representatives. They may not believe on the gospel, they may not believe on Christ, but the only way they can know that we stand for the Lord is that we reflect Him in our behavior.
2: The church has lost a lot of credibility over the centuries because of this very issue. I have talked to countless people who will not trust Christ because of the behavior of professing Christians. St. Augustine said, never judge a philosophy by its abuse. And that's good advice for those who use the hypocrisy they see around them as an excuse to reject the Lord Jesus. But if we want others to believe our message, we have to live in a way that marks us as authentic Christ followers. Pastor Steve will have more about that in our next class. Thank you for listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida is leading us in a study from Matthew chapter 10. We are considering the instructions that Jesus gave to his disciples as he sent them on their first short-term missions trip. Pastor Steve has been serving for more than 26 years at Lakeside and now his messages are available on radio through the efforts of verse-by-verse ministries and the financial and prayer support of listeners just like you. We hope you will be sure to be faithful to your own church before considering other faith-based ministries, such as this one. Today's lesson was the middle part of a three-part message. If you would like to hear this entire message at once, you can order a CD or a cassette by calling us at 727 727- 441 1714. Leave your name and a number and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727 441 1714. If you would like to hear today's class again, visit our website versebyverseradio.org. The program is available for downloading or listening online. The same is true for the previous lessons that you will find on the archives page. Also on the website, you will find links for subscribing to our free podcasting service and for getting our complimentary newsletter. That's versebyverseradio.org. In our next class, Pastor Steve will continue to flesh out.